God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your care over us. We're grateful for both our senses of humor, that we can laugh at ourselves and, and, and be corrected and be established in the faith with a, a great deal of joy. Thank you for this company of saints that have such a uh, pleasant handle on their walk. We'd ask that you'd bless them each. In your son's name, amen. This morning, of course, we're in chapter 14 of Romans. We've gone through 13 chapters, and now we're on the 14th chapter. Now, interestingly enough, it's a, it's a very practical chapter, but it is one of the most, not obeying it, is one of the most divisive, destructive things inside of Christianity. And consequently, you know, we don't have chapters um, in the establishment of the church that go on and on and on about staying away from drunkenness. You ought to, but we generally have that figured out. Most of you know that it would not be either socially or spiritually or ethically acceptable to show up to church, you know, plowed. Or show up in your life plowed. Because it's immoral. Nobody gets up in the middle of the service and says, I'd like to thank God, uh, praise Jesus, I'm moving in with my girlfriend. We know better than that. I have been a Christian for 40 years. 40 years this month, matter of fact. And uh, my parents have been involved in the work in the kingdom, and I have seen many Christians, and I have lived in many Christian environments. And this circumstance, and ours included, as we try to minister to each other, we run into certain temptations. And this is a really, really big one. As for the man who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not for disputes over opinions. Christianity is an idea. As well as an experience with God, it is an idea about faith, you know, what we believe, what we're affirming. We affirm it across the autonomous gap between people. We bond together by the affirmation of those truths. Some people make it more creedal than others, and they can chant it back. Some people catechize their children. We're an idea-driven religion. Much of the Western world's facility in philosophy and all the rest is because Christianity, it was natural that ideas be part of a Christian world. Now, that said, you say, yeah, true, ideas. We all like ideas. I like the ideas of the cashews back there. Those were 
Those are my breakfast. What is it about ideas that's so dangerous? Well, see, you didn't seem to, I don't know if we I had a note out front, but I'm right. You're not. I got the pulpit, right? So I'm right. Because once we start talking about ideas, the temptation for the fleshly temptation, like any power position, and ideas are a power position, that we leverage it to our own gain. We like being right. The basic problem in the church, probably the most basic problem in the church today, is that since you think you're right, you can be a jerk. Simple. You welcome someone who does not agree with you, someone weak in the faith, but not for disputes over opinions. He is not fresh meat. Now, I've never been drunk, ever. I never moved in with my girlfriend. I'm married, by the way. I have done this because I like ideas. And frankly, I'm really pleased with mine. We all tend to be, right? You don't hold an idea and go, you know, I, I've got the stupidest idea in the church. You know, my, my view of Jesus is sure dumb. Evans is sure good. Everyone's is better than mine. No, you all think you're right. You have different opinions, different theologies, different temperaments that, that hold them, but you are not allowed to look at someone when you extend yourself in love and say that the love or the extension of fellowship or the welcome requires that they sign on or go through a process of having their views wrung out of their feeble little skulls so you can put your ideas in there. It gets so bad that we create different churches to facilitate the process. Different churches that let you know when you join what the secondary doctrines are supposed to be. If you do not hold them now, you are supposed to be in process. They call it new members class. Right? Where you learn what it's going to take to be fully welcomed. A friend in Boise, some of you know, I won't mention his name, was a member of a church for a long time, and it's a neat Christian guy. They would never let him teach Sunday school, ever. He hadn't fully come the distance. Okay? He was of their theological persuasion. He just wasn't all the way there. And until he was all the way there, he had no ministry, no capability of edifying the saints because we have these hurdles you have to get over. It says welcome them, but not for disputes over opinions. One believes he may eat anything, while the weak man eats only vegetables. I love that verse. <laughs> because already I am being tempted to smugness about my position. 
And I'm hoping those of you who are vegetarians will be duly rebuked. And that you'll learn to be carnivores before the day is out because the weak man eats only vegetables. Well, I've known people to eat vegetables. Some of my own family eats them. But the point is, even though on the surface of this, that I have actually gone to this passage in my disputing over an opinion, to use this passage for a proof that I'm right. That the stronger brother has a broad freedom in what he eats. And then verse 3 says, Let not him who eats despise him who abstains. Oops. And let not him who abstains pass judgment on him who eats, for God has welcomed him. Now, there's going to be a principle behind this that's hopefully going to help you get through this, because I think you all do this. I'm willing to go on record that you all do this. I figure I'm not going down alone. Okay? We're all guilty. Those of us who have a broad understanding of the freedoms we have in Christ, your pastor drinks, smokes, eats meat. And it's easy for those who have freedom to despise those people who've got their jockey shorts in a bunch about everything. Who've got restrictive diets because they, because they think it'd be, you know, Christians should. Oh, and on the other side, the people that anybody, anytime you have a monastic choice, Anytime anybody says, I am going to give this up in my life, or it is right that I not do this. Oh, what's the easy thing looking at other people? Judge them, right? Pass judgment. It just happens all the time. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Because you notice at the end of verse 3 it says, For God has welcomed him. The person walks through the door. Say he is an Anglican dispensationalist, vegetarian. (laughs) And we're called all souls Christian for a reason, because we believe that we should have welcomed that person. Because God has welcomed that person. Who am I? If God is in fellowship with him, and that's the question, you first, you just ask yourself, has God welcomed him? I ought to. Has God fellowship with him? Does he seem like he's in fellowship with Jesus Christ? His life is in order? I should. Because the principle here is is verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the master is able to make him stand. And I'm sorry, the Anglican dispensational vegetarian is being held by the grace of God, by God himself. And my little petty judgments do not affect his walk. His master helps him stand. You are not some sort of priest 
that if he comes through your ideas and accepts your ideas about the faith, then you will introduce him to God. Oh, it's, it's, it's natural that we become little popes, dictating what must be believed down through the, through the body of believers. Emotionally dictating. Now, share an idea. Yeah, we have different ideas. Yeah, teach the different ideas. The key is, do you view the other person as the servant of Christ? Do you view their life as a result of their walk with Christ? You are members one of another, but each of you has a head, Christ. You are related to that head singly and severally. You are not related through me. You're not related through your husband, through your parents. You're related to Christ directly. Your walk, your walk is through Christ directly. Now, here's the danger. I've told you before. The principle in, in dealing with this is that you're, you recognize that he is the servant of another. Meaning, not yours. Okay? Your ideas have to stand and fall in relationship to Jesus Christ, and his stand and fall in relationship to Jesus Christ, and his master is able to make him stand, and his ma- he will have to give an account to his master. You say, okay, okay, I get it. I, I think I get it. But look at what the church broadly, not just our, our, our own lives, but the church broadly has done. And I've mentioned this before. There are two kinds of Christians in this world, the kind that believe Jesus died to save the church and you're a collateral effect of the church, or Jesus died to save you and you in community are the church. Which is the collateral? Well, I'm of the second group. I believe that Christ died to save you. You individually have a master in Jesus Christ. Your walk is your walk. Your idea has to be from the Lord. And your master will judge you. Then we join together because we love Christ. If I have that notion, I have the capability of staying in unity with other believers who disagree with me. Because I can give them over to their master. Their master is Jesus Christ. Mine is Jesus Christ. I don't try to stand in between them and Christ. The other view believes that the church is the arbiter of that which you should believe. The danger there is to have the creed that you must sign. And in this church, I don't know if you... There's no membership. You can't join, even if you wanted to. Because you joined Jesus Christ. All we do is recognize those that belong to Christ. That's it. That's all you can do. How could we put another list of things you had to do to get in the church? You passed if you met Christ and were saved from your sins. You passed. You're in. We don't have any secondary doctrinal frame. Some of you are Anglican-oriented. Some of you are certainly dispensational. Some of you are preterists. Some of you are openness theists. Some of you are more reformed. How do we keep that? How are we going to keep it for an extended period of time? 
because it succeeding is going to require that people continue to succeed at understanding that it's Jesus Christ the other person is accountable to. One man, verse 5, esteems one day as better than another, while another man esteems all days alike. Let everyone be fully convinced in his own mind. What a great verse. I am of the position that all days are alike. There's no Sabbath. I'm not a Saturday Sabbatarian. I'm not a Sunday Sabbatarian because I'm not a Sabbatarian. It is convenient in our society that the weekend is free and we can get together as Christians and meet on Sunday. I don't believe there's any. But I know there are other people that do. Some people who have worshipped with us have believed in Saturday, Saturday Sabbatarianism. Fine. We esteem things differently. Do you know how much noise, how much grief over that issue alone has happened in the history of the church? Some of the Saturday observant people believe it is the mark of the beast to worship on Sunday. That this, what we're doing, worshiping on Sunday, is the mark of the beast and we have taken it. Christians can get a little weird. They don't play well. We can't be trusted on the playground because we want to have authority over the other person. Let everyone be fully convinced in his own mind. Well, there we say, well, but I got fully convinced, and Evan just doesn't understand my position. I might not. I might understand it. I might understand it and reject it. But your relationship with me, my relationship with you, is going to be, oh yeah, so you don't agree with me. It is before Christ you stand or fall, not before me. If I think you're weaker, which all of us think, the other guy is weaker, right? We don't go, yeah, I... Uh, I believe in Saturday Sabbatarianism, and I think I'm the weaker one. So you, since you all believe that you are the stronger position in whatever position you take, it is incumbent upon you to take the strong position morally here, to welcome them, but not for disputes over opinions. It's assuming you're fully convinced. That's why you're living the way you're living. So if you go home because it's, you believe today's the Sabbath, and you just sit down on the couch and read Presbyterian Review because you know that a good Christian shouldn't be doing anything on Sunday. And Evan's out there, you know, moving boulders in his yard because he likes to do that. Lots of work there. I had a crane. How do you deal with that? You're fully convinced. He who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. He who also eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While he who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. None of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. That's who you belong to. It's not just... Um, okay, they can do what they want because on the end of it they tacked on, oh, I'm doing it in honor of the Lord. No, this is the principle that's on the page. 
The principle is, what you're doing, if you're doing it before Christ, your master, I, over to the side, who disagree with your observance of the Sabbath, should recognize that you're offering it up to God. However weak it is, however incorrect it is, you're offering up to God, it's before your master. You'll have to give account. If you're wrong about the Sabbath, and you've been offering that to God your whole life, when you go to glory, you'll figure it out. He'll tell you. He'll say, oh yeah, you were against smoking. Well, I want you to know that cigarettes were the greatest cause of health in the history of the world. (laughs) But no. I don't think they are, by the way. (laughs) But but for the people that are, you know, like smoking Nazis or uh, cholesterol Nazis or whatever else it is, when they go to meet the Lord, they might get told, hey, you were right about cholesterol. Hey, good for you. Evan was wrong. That's why he, he's here so much earlier than you are, because, you know, I see, I can afford to have my arteries closed to about like this, because my heart's only about like that. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. That's out of Isaiah 45. I have the text off to the side here. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, you survivors of the nations. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idols and keep on praying to a God that cannot save. Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. For by myself... I have sworn from my mouth has gone forth in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. God has called us Gentiles out of many, 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 many backgrounds. We got saved from paganism or we got saved from Christianity sometimes. Uh, Sometimes, you know, I I grew up a Southern Baptist. Some of you Lutheran or Methodist or, or charismatic or... Who knows what else? We come from all sorts of different angles. So consequently, we're going to have some different notions. I mean, Caron went to MacArthur's school. I mean, my goodness. Um, Dave was almost going to go off to an Anglican uh, seminary. Nolan's a physicist. (laughs) Heaven help us all. We come from different angles. Some of you have got different kinds of families, different kinds of temperaments. I grew up in a family that argued all the time around the dinner table about politics, about religion, about everything. You never would have guessed it, would you? (laughs) So you've been brought to Christ, the Savior of all the nations. We have to all come to Christ. But we've come to Christ. We haven't come to each other for approval. We are made approved by Jesus Christ. Then we come together. To share the benefits. 
You should be sharing your ideas and we should be sharing our ideas together, but without this, this sense of despising and judging because we want to improve. But it all goes back to the principle that you came to Christ because there is no other Savior there in Isaiah. The church, with its pure and true doctrine, is not the Savior. There is salvation outside the church, regardless of what the Pope says. Salvation is only in Christ. And when you have that notion that you are Christ's, and you gather together, you have the possibility of being in fellowship with those you don't agree with. So, verse 12, let each of us give an ac- so each of us will give an account of himself to God. You're not going to have to give an account of how many arguments you were in and how many you won and how many people you convinced of what was true. You have to give an account for yourself. You and your ideas will stand before the Lord. Then let us no more pass judgment on one another, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So two, two steps here. Let us no more, but rather. Let's not function like we were some sort of ecclesiastical purity that you're trying to f- create in Christendom. Don't think that after 2,000 years of the lack of it, that somehow your ideas, and, I'm, and I have to tell you, my ideas are systematically wonderful. If you ever want to sit down and, and see the heavens open, just come over to my house and I'll tell you all about my views. But you know, none of us have been that good. And it's that belief that we're so right, that we just can't shake it. And instead of letting it go, we let the brother go. Instead of letting that go, we break fellowship. But here it says, let your claim to your ideas, or you might say the insistence that others hold them, let that go. Or your insistence that you look down on, despise or judge someone else for not holding your views, let that go, but rather decide the reverse, to not have your views offend somebody. Ever thought of that? Ever thought thought of just saying, hmm, I wonder how I'm going to hold my views, certainly, because you're going to hold your views. You're going to be fully convinced in your own mind about the Sabbath, when it is, if there is. Now, your task is to figure out how to hold a certain view, solidly, believing it, and not have it hurt anybody's feelings. That's your job. Their job is not to get along with you by agreeing with you. It's not like it's on the other side, that they have to be adjusting themselves to truth. My gosh, I'm right. I can't remember being wrong. Certainly you should all submit to my ideas. I've got to give that up. Passing judgment on someone for not agreeing. And then stumbling them. Now verse 14 is a great verse. I know, 
Here's St. Paul. Okay. St. Paul's writing this. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus. How many views? How many views of yours can you claim that you were like at, at that almost apostolic level of conviction? conviction? St. Paul believes something, he's about to tell you what it is, and he's persuaded in the Lord Jesus. I mean, you hold positions, right? And you probably looked it up in the Bible and maybe heard it in a Bible study, whatever else you, whatever else. But he was persuaded in the Lord Jesus. Now, some of your views, you may hold that view. He says, I am persuaded that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. He says the persuasion he has is X, that we have liberty to eat food offered to idols. We have liberty to eat not only vegetables, but something else. Nothing is unclean. But I also believe that your mindset about it can create it, something clean, unclean. He's fully convinced. Now, he does not say, that's the right position, by the way, that the apostle just told you what the right position was. Now, I know people who've disagreed with the apostle before, and you may wish to disagree, disagree with him. Now, we welcome you. Okay? We're going to try not to get into a dispute over opinions. He is trying to bring up an opinion that says, because this is the case, because this is the case, if your brother is being injured by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. I have decided to not put a stumbling block in the way of someone else, and this is incumbent upon the people that are the most right in the church. Okay? So, I know who you are. I've been in enough debates in this fellowship. I know those of you who've got minds, heads on your sh shoulders, that you have opinions about things, and you think you're right, and I think I'm right. We haven't always agreed. So, we as a group, I'm speaking to uh, you who've got strong opinions. We as a group, we've got a job to do in this church. We've got the job, those of us who are right, oh so very right, to be laboring understanding that if I, if I only convince the action of a person without actually convincing them, I am harming them because I could be leading them into sin doing a righteous thing. It was right for St. Paul to go buy a roast beef from the idle meat market, roast it up and have it, but if someone who did not believe it saw it as something he could do because it was convinced by the action and went and had roast beef with St. Paul, doing a legitimate thing, he could be condemned morally by his own conscience. It is sin for those who think it is sin. Do not let what you eat cause the ruin of one for whom Christ died. Are you basically saying, your liberty, your, your, your positions, your attitudes that you think, since you can live your life the way you want, you're getting all sorts of benefits to live your life before your master by your own standard of of defense, and you're not granting that to anyone else. Verse 16, which is a good verse, and I want you to remember this. So, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. You ever hear that verse before? Do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Because what, on topic, what are we dealing with? Everyone thinks they're right. 
everyone thinks that what they recommend is goodness, wisdom, purity. Guess how you can make everything you think is righteous and holy look evil? By being a jerk. Because the person who is most right ought to be most like Christ. Because before your own master you're standing or falling, and if you've drawn close to the mind of God in Christ, you should be this wonderful person, not some super tight Christian about all the things you believe. Don't let, if you believe that you're right, if you believe about your doctrinal position, your lifestyle observances, guess how you get to prove it? You get to prove it by making sure everyone goes, yeah, you know, I don't agree with so-and-so, but look at their life. They're so sweet, they're so nice, they're so accepting, they don't throw rocks at me on the street. They don't disallow my fellowship with the saints. For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, whatever your position on food and drink, whatever your position, it is not the kingdom until it is righteous. What's the other words? Peaceful and joyful. You've made peace with people. You don't get to be fully right. You don't get to claim that your doctrine is part of the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God does not consist of doctrine. The kingdom of God does not consist of what sort of lifestyle practices you may hold, be it John the Baptist's haircloth shirt and dietary oddities or Jesus Christ's better dressed circumstance and going to parties. The kingdom of God was neither one of those. Wisdom is known by her children. And righteousness, the kingdom of God, if you want to claim that your ideas have anything to do with it, not just some outside observer's recommendations, because when you've got the bad attitude, when you're the jerk deluxe about your views, you can't get along with anyone. All you've proved is you're an outside observer of the kingdom of God. Sure, you may have studied the doctrines of the kingdom. You may have been able to draw roadmaps of the kingdom and all sorts of idea issues, but you're not in the kingdom because the kingdom consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He who thus serves Christ is acceptable to God. Pretty strong, right? If you catch a clue about this passage, if you say, okay, you know, this little church, we are a little church, is slowly growing. Yes, more and more people, strange faces are showing up. I'm sorry about that strange thing. Uh, uh, no, we'll stick with it. Um, what's going to keep us from driving this one into the wall like every other church in the history of humanity? Let's get this worked out now. Let's work it out. In, and we're not working it out from the pulpit down to you. You're working it out between you and Christ. Because it's your view of the church, your view of ideas... It says you're acceptable to God if you live this way, and you're approved by men. 
What is the kingdom? What does God want out of you? What do other people want out of you? Let us then pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean. That's the true position. But it is wrong for anyone to make others fall by what he eats. It is right not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Happy is he who has no reason to judge himself for what he approves. You're supposed to be absolutely confident. You are supposed to be confident. You're supposed to be seeking these things out, studying the ideas of the faith, looking doctrinally and wisdom-wise and lifestyle-wise, because you want to be happy that when I approve of something, I have got a biblical, rational ground for doing it. But realize that your position is between you and God. And the interaction, you say, well, are you trying to say we're not supposed to talk about it? No. The way we talk about it, the way we edify each other, is trying to edify each other by appealing to the good that we want for the other person. Not the gain of my view over yours. We're supposed to be laboring to do good to each other. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not act from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. A lot of people have given up their views to get further accepted by a church. Do they end up sinning? Somebody who says, you know, I go to All Souls Christian and every man there pretty much will have a, we, we call them veggie sticks, other people call them cigars, sticking out of their mouths lit on fire at various social gatherings. I've never approved of that, but it seems to be accepted. You've you got to do that. Well, you say, oh, what an awful thing to have happen. That we would even subconsciously put up barriers. That people would go against their consciences, because they're standing before Christ. And having to say, why did I smoke a cigar? Because I felt pressured to do so. Don't ever. Because whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Your walk with God, your establishment of your ideas, your certainty, you are supposed to find that in Christ, find the communication of God to you, because Christ died to save you. And you are the one that's being spared from hell. You are the one that's going to heaven over that arrangement. We're not a, we're not a committee. And then learn, once as you become more and more convinced of your views, watch out for that temptation of convinced people. When you realize, but when you realize what you have in Christ, and you realize the other person has it in Christ, you say, hey, what do I extend to them? We can extend great freedom, great friend, uh, love and friendship. We can discuss these issues and not have this superior looking down at despising judgment. Well, that's the end of the passage. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord God, we're grateful for the time in your word. Keep us holy. 
Keep us loving towards each other. In your son's name, amen.